Welcome to Bods Mayhem Out. Your source for all hard rock, heavy metal, new metal, alternative, punk, horror punk, hardcore, rock, and all local bands with your host, John the Bod, a.k.a. The Bodfather. This is Aaron Howell from the international rock combo motherfucking ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively, and you are listening to Bod's Mayhem Hour. Get it! The views and opinions of the guest do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Bod's Mayhem Radio Network, its staff, affiliates, or sponsors. Parental discretion is advised. Welcome to Bod's Mayhem Radio Network. Hey everybody, welcome to Bod's Mayhem Hour. I'm your host, John the Bod, a.k.a. the Bod Father. And as always, I'm bringing you guys and gals awesome interviews. Today, it's an honor and a privilege to have Mr. Aaron Howell. He is the vocalist of Motherfucking Ruckus. Motherfucking Ruckus. Right <laughs> Motherfucking Ruckus will release their new album, The Front Lines of Good Times, Volume 1, next month, which is just a couple days away, actually. Also, they have a comic book entitled the same thing, The Front Lines of Good Times and the Motherfucking Connection Podcast. So we've got all kinds of stuff to talk to Aaron about. So how's it going, man? That's good. The, the, the mix of the album will be done next month, but it, it probably won't be getting released until, my guess is, is probably a little later this summer, although we will be having the new motion comic is going to get released next month. Okay. So um, we're doing, so we just put out, uh, we just put out the second comic, and then the second motion comic is going to be coming out next month. We're going to be finishing mixing and mastering the album next month. And then there's a, uh, there's a short turnaround for manufacturing and whatnot. And then um, we're going to actually do a live stream listening party and uh, pre-order live from Evergroove studio where we recorded the album. We're going to be doing all of that for the, for the digital pre-order. So that's going to be coming up here probably in the next two months and then uh yeah we're gonna we're gonna do that all on our on our podcast which is the motherfucking podcast which uh you can find that under the mf podcast on apple podcasts and google play spotify and on our website mfruckus.com oh good sir let's jump right into this what's impressed you aaron or excited you the most about this new album that's getting ready to come out uh, what, what's been the most fun about it, for sure, and what's impressed me the most is uh, the studio where we recorded it, Evergroove Studio up in Evergreen, Colorado, is very much run by people that I would call production engineers. So they're, they're not just, you know, Brad Smalling, the, the main engineer and producer on this album, he didn't just sit there behind the board and smoke bong rips and, and, and push buttons all day. He really got hands-on. His staff got really hands-on, and and we were able to bear down a little bit more on the creative process, and and we had a lot more bandwidth to to try things out that we maybe didn't try in the past. Additionally, it's been something that we've been working on for a few years now. It's something of a concept project because it's related to this comic book series that we're doing. So there's some things that we did in this record that maybe we haven't done in previous records as far as, as tackling subjects we've never tackled before and trying to 
tie certain threads throughout the songs and um, create these different vibes for different areas of the story. Even though the songs aren't necessarily part of the story, I like to think of them as the songs that the characters in the story might write. In fact, there's, there's going to be some songs which are presented as though they were written by fictional bands in the story. So it's, it's more of the soundtrack for the whole landscape of everything that we're building. So that's really exciting. It was also really fun to take a more, uh, a more deliberate approach to including everybody's ideas into the record. Everybody who was involved with the record got to have their own autonomy and their own opportunity to explore different ideas. You know, we have songs that were written by our bass player, Logan, songs that I wrote, songs that our guitar player, Tony, wrote. And then, of course, we had a bunch of guest musicians come in, uh, including John Hagel, who's a well-known jazz sax player from here in, here in Denver, Vaughn McPherson from Space and Time, you know, who's more of a metal organ player. He came in and did some stuff. We had this guy, Will Snyder, who's this really fantastic hired gun keyboard player, plus backup vocals by the Ruckettes and um, the motherfucking gang vocal choir. Uh, who are friends of ours and really talented people who got to come in. And, um, and also Brad Smalling, the, the producer, he had a lot of input on it. You know, we wanted him to consider himself another member of the band while we were doing this. So that, that has been very exciting for me to, to get to play with those processes and, and have that experience that maybe we didn't have before on previous records. Working with him, did he bring out anything that was missing from the previous albums out of you guys that kind of shocked you like, Oh man, I didn't know that was there to working with you. Well, he's, he's highly efficient and he is very encouraging and supportive. So what he's, he's really good at setting up these, these processes to be able to think of an album as being bigger than you might be thinking of it being because he's so engaged in the process. He really, you know, like we'd be doing these parts that would have big backup vocal, big gang vocal parts, right? And he'd put us in the tracking room and put a mic in front of us. And he would have us in a huge crowd saying the same line over and over and over and over again on a loop record where every pass of it, it's creating a new track. So you're building all these layers of vocals. You know, I'm going in and doing lead vocal parts where we're doing five, six, seven, sometimes eight layers of vocals in parts where it's necessary, mm-hmm. you know, really um, building in these sounds that are kind of otherworldly. And, and then the, the next day, the, uh, on the next day, doing something that's very pared down, very sparse, very classic. His knowledge of recording styles has, has really made it so that anything is possible. Every song we can go in there with the idea of kind of what kind of vibe we want to create, what kind of vision we want to put in people, you know, what our vision is for the song, the type of feeling we want to emote from someone. And Brad can come in and help us think realistically in technical terms, how we might go about creating that. And that's a lot of fun. Are there any songs standing out more to you than any right now possible on this new album that you could talk about? I know these must change from time to time and it's hard to pick your favorite one because it's like picking your favorite child or your favorite animal but do you have any that stand out for you possibly 
Well, and that's the thing is, is there's, to me, there's a difference between what my favorite songs are and what stands out. So one of my favorites is we have the song called Acropolis Now that is very much, I would say, Norwegian rock revival style. You know, it's, it's very reminiscent of bands like Turbo Negro and Glucifer and the Helicopters. It's a lot more, even Peter Pan Speed Rock from Sweden. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot more of that just traditional driving punk rock stuff. That's a really fun song, and we've been playing it live for a while now. But then you have the songs that really stand out in terms of the stark contrast they give to the album. We have two songs that are very much outliers for our normal, our normal path, you know, our, our normal uh, songwriting approach. We did do one Shel Silverstein-style country and folk piece that uh, is, is more of a, a long story song that's like, it's something you would hear someone like Bobby Bear or, or Johnny Cash or even just Shel Silverstein himself with Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show do. We really modeled it after that. And then we have a song that's much more Rocky Horror Picture Show, Mott the Hoople, New York Dolls kind of trashy number. And then we have stuff that's more complex metal riffs and and more uh more introspective as far as the vocals go more philosophical as the vocals go and then you have stuff that's more in our traditional style of writing which is just good dirty fun rock and roll anthems and and party songs you know so when when you ask me what stands out and what's my favorite it's kind of what more emerges for me with that question is the the overall idea of of funness in this record, the overall spirit of weirdness and and uh, and just the freedom to just say, you know what, we're just going to do whatever the fuck we want. And if if people who've been following us don't necessarily get it, I think they'll still I think they'll still come on the ride with us because the people that do follow us, you know, that they, they are a few and and proud and brave individuals across the world who who kind of get what we're up to so i think they'll appreciate us kind of going in all these different directions so has this been a transition from the last album up till this one then you would say well the last album thieves of thunder came out um you know it's been it's been almost god thieves of thunder has been out a while it's been five years since the original release of thieves of thunder and really that was the backlog material from before our lineup change. So when Tay Hamilton and Jerry Cass were in the band, those were kind of a mix of the songs we had started demoing before they left, plus the songs that we wrote when Parker Meehan joined the band. And so it was just kind of a, a, a collection of that. So it was, it was more, that was more of a collection of the stuff that we had at that time. It was a lot heavier there was uh, a lot less stuff that was kind of outside of our normal wheelhouse. It, it was, there, there weren't any sketches. There wasn't any, any theme trying to tie it all together. We just hadn't done an album in a while. And that was a collection of everything that we'd been writing over that time. This album is much more deliberate in terms of, of the writing approach in terms of, trying to open it up to everybody in the band having a contribution and 
and trying to explore some outside ideas. Yeah, so so it, it definitely differs in that way. Plus, the last album wasn't a concept album like this is. This is. You know, we've committed to our, ourselves to a long-term project in the, in the form of this, what we're hoping to be a 36-chapter serialized concept album and graphic novel. I'm sure there are tons and tons and tons of bands who have done what we're doing, but uh, none that we really know of none really in our category in our little corner of the universe. So we're really excited to, to just try this idea and see where it takes us. And it's, it's going to turn out to be way different than anything we've done in our entire careers. Aaron, who's doing the artwork or who has done the artwork on this album for you guys? So in the past on the first motherfucking ruckus album, the dirty half dozen that was done by this guy, Matt Burgess that I found on, you know, I just found him on some freelance website, bandjob.com or something like that. And he's just, he's fantastic. It turned out our bass player actually owned a couple t-shirts that he had designed. And we had asked for, we just wanted a mock-up of the original Lee Marvin, Charles Bronson, John Cassavetes, uh, the Dirty Dozen uh, movie poster. Mm. And so we just had him do a mock-up of that. We called it the Dirty Half Dozen. So, uh, and it's just kind of us on the front as though we were the characters in this fictional action movie, right? And then the second one is Thieves of Thunder, which was a watercolor painting done by Joshua Finley, who also illustrated the first comic in the Frontlines of Good Times series, but unfortunately had to pull out of the project just because it, it wasn't a fit for either of us, just as far as time constraints and his illustration style and what we really had in mind. But Josh and I are still very good friends. He does posters for us and T-shirts for us to this day. He's, he's an amazing artist. I, I highly recommend you look him up. Joshua Finley. Uh, he's, he's one of the most prolific, busiest, amazing artists you'll ever see. And the, the cover of that, we were really trying to make look like, like a, an old painting of, of some like mythological demigods set against a, a, a background of, of mountains and it, it, something that looked, a, yeah, just a bit more mythological, a little bit more, I don't know, greatest story ever told type of thing. And uh, that was for Thieves of Thunder. So we have this kind of theme going where we, we, we like to include ourselves on the front of the album as these, as these characters, as these heroes. You know, we, we, really, uh, we really promote this image of, of being this, this band of brothers, this band of heroes on, on an epic journey that tends to be a, a running theme through all our albums. So on this new one with, uh, with the comic, We've got our new comic artist, Jake Fairley, who did the, the new Frontlines of Good Times Chapter 2 comic and is doing Chapter 3 right now. A lot of what he has done is very heavy metal absurdism, satanic absurdism, Hesh comics. Very fun, cartoony, but really graphic and, and striking drawings. Really a lot of fun. Indie comics are his specialty. That's what, that's what he excels at. But what we're putting together for the artwork for the new album is we're going for this, like, like if you found an old book in a library and you pulled it out and you blew the dust off of it, like an, an embossed relief print of some sort on the cover of this beat up old book. And, um, and that, that's what Jake is working on drawing something that we can turn into that right now. So, um, we're we're really excited about the way these, this album is going to be put together. We're trying to tie the concept into all the album cover stuff as well. We're 
We're working on some elements within the packaging that are going to be a lot of fun. We really want to create records that someone takes home and they open up the record and they sit down and they put the record on and they, and they are reading the lyrics and they're reading the comic. And it's something that they, you know, pack a bowl and make an afternoon out of. That's really <laughs> our goal with the, the, the new upcoming records that we're going to be working on probably for the next 10 years. That's what I was going to ask about the concept album. How far are you guys into this right now? I mean, are you, cause I mean, you write one album and it's like, well, okay, we're going to stop and then start on the next one. To me, with a concept, it, it just it just has to keep continuing. Or to me, it would just die off. That's just me. That's how I would feel about it. So this is where we're at, is we have released two comics, one motion comic with another one on deck. And by the way, we do all the voiceovers for our own comics. Like I write the script, and then we go into a studio, and we record all our own voices, and, and we have a guy who produces the score for it, and and all the background noises and creates all the soundscapes to really make it a living comic motion comic experience. Like we're really, we're really dead set on that. It's a very ambitious endeavor. So we have one, almost two motion comics out, two printed comics out. We had, I want to say 11 songs, maybe 12 songs in the can in the studio, plus another 50 to 60 demos in our uh, our band dropbox folder Jeez. so you know we we just write a ton tony and i will get together and we'll sit down and we'll just come up with 10 ideas and record them in a day and then we kind of when it comes time to record again we go okay what are our top 20 ideas from this idea bank let's pull those out and let's build upon those so We've, uh, we unfortunately lost a bandmate this year. Parker Clark Meehan left the band to go pursue his band, Rabid Stallion. So he's going off to do that. So we ended up pulling a few songs from the record that were his songs that were his to take with him. So he's going to be taking those with him. So the new album, I think, is going to be seven or eight songs, including a um, just a demo that I recorded myself on... Uh, on GarageBand Mobile, but it turned out to be a really fun song is uh, one of the bonus tracks we're going to throw on there. And then I have rough drafts for the story written all the way up to, I want to say chapter nine or 10. And then I have the general, I have the general themes and major events of the entire book all the way through volume three, chapter 36. So it's mostly plotted out and planned out. And we just kind of focus on doing the work. You know what I mean? I work for a content channel. Uh, I work for a show called the Nug Nation, which is a division of this content, content channel, this cannabis lifestyle content channel, uh, channel called uh, Burn TV. And so I have access to studio space where essentially we get together every week and we just write songs. We write, 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 and then we pick a studio day and we go in there and we record another batch of songs and put them through the process. And um, just kind of one foot in front of the other, you know, building upon this next thing. What do I got? What do I want? What's next? That's just the week to week, day to day, month to month, year to year, just following the protocol. And uh, that's that's how we've been going about it. What do you hope everyone takes away 
from this new concept album or message you hope to hear while listening to it or just any of motherfucking ruckus music in general? What do you hope to get from it all? Well, the, the first thing I want people to get from it is I want them to have fun. You know, we, we are very much proponents of this, of this mission of find joy through bringing joy. You know, we are very much, we have this what, higher calling, you know, to, to kind of spread, spread joy around the world, like ha- help people have a good time. The, the Lakota people talk about this group of Hayoka, which is sacred clowns. They're like contrarian satirists whose whole job is to, you know, raise the overall vibration of people on the planet. Like they're, they're, they're shaman essentially that their whole job is to make people happier so that the world doesn't, doesn't fall apart. And we kind of think of ourselves in that way. So that's the number one thing that I want people to take away is I want them to have a good time. I want them to enjoy themselves. I want them to feel that their life was enriched in some way or given value through listening to our stuff. The, the, the message that I want to convey to people though is, is this message of human beings are going to make it. Prime form is inevitable. Like, Every era in human history has had its trials and tribulations and its drama and its frightening events and its scariness and its power mongering lunatics. And, and, and every generation has thought that the next generation was ushering in an apocalypse and has thought that the next big advent and innovation was going to morally bankrupt us and, and that the end of the world was just around the corner. And what this, this concept is mostly about is this idea of like, even when it seems like it's over, it's probably not over. We as human beings have come so far and we have surpassed some of the great filters that might have ushered in extinction for us a long time ago. And we've managed to make it through. And I am a, what you might call an optimistic nihilist in that I think that it's, um, you know, none of it really intrinsically means anything, but I don't think our story is done being told by a long shot. I think human beings, even when human beings are done, will have evolved into something else and proliferate and spread across the entire universe until the universe doesn't exist anymore. I'm really optimistic for that. And that's, that's kind of something that I want, the, the theme that I want people to take away from, from these albums and this, and this book as it progresses. Obviously, in the beginning, it's just a lot of dick and fart jokes and car chases and explosions and fun stuff. But um, that's, that's where the story is going to go. It's, it's going to tell a story about, about us. Do you still see growth musically in yourself and this band up to the release of this album? Or, or has it just been more of a personal growth for each of you, Aaron, involved in this? I think that growth and change are the only real certainties in this existence. You can't help but change. You can't help but grow. And as a band, we can't help but grow. What's kept us together, though, is the main four of us, Logan and Ty and Tony and myself, uh, you know, we're best friends, we're brothers, and we support each other in our growth, and we 
we decided a long time ago that we were more interested in trying to figure out a way to make it work than worrying about all the ways that it wouldn't work. You know, it's very easy for a lot of bands to break up over creative differences or so-and-so got married or so-and-so had kids or so-and-so moved to another state. Tony's moved back and forth from Chicago to Denver and back a couple of times. And, you know, we just go, okay, I guess we're going to make this work differently because it's that important to us. You know, it's, it's important to us to keep it going. And the only way that we would be able to stand each other and keep it going is if we were able to roll with the punches and accept each other and, and love and respect each other and return to the thing that we have in common, which is our love of playing music together. I certainly have grown a lot during the making of this record. This record has taken, I, I mean, if you just think about how long ago Thieves of Thunder came out, and the process that has gone on since then, this, this project all told is five years in the making and probably has another 50 left to go. Jeez. You know, this is a lifetime. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Maybe we'll get funding and we'll be able to get more of these out uh, faster. But for the most part, you know, we're self-financed and uh, most of our money comes from donations on Patreon. And even then, you know, we're, we're getting by on a, on a shoestring budget and we have a handful of people who believe in what we're doing. And, uh, and so we just kind of, like I said, one foot in front of the other showing up, doing the work and, uh, trying to get as much value from the inevitable change and growth that occurs as a result. Do you like to do anything differently during the writing and plus recording process to help keep your mind fresh and open to not let the music still get boring? I know that's two concepts, but do you like to do anything differently that helps you out? The big thing that I started doing differently in the last, in the last few years is I stopped worrying so much about trying to, I stopped worrying about number one, what other people are going to think of my stuff, or I try, I should say, I try not to think about what other people are going to think about my stuff. You know, obviously we all get sucked into those, those pits of despair where we think everything we make is garbage. But I really, I still, I started learning the approach of, you know, really prolific artists who their approach was to just make shit, make shit, make shit, make shit, make shit, do your 50 pounds of clay. And it's inevitable through the law of averages that you will get better as you make stuff and the cream will rise to the top and, and your best stuff will emerge. So really the only change that I've made in recent years is to just focus on the process of making shit and letting things be okay that they are what they are. Because that we have, we have this guy who's been, been following our band for a while now, who's our, our number one fan. And we, we kind of base a lot of what we do around him. You know, it's, it can be difficult to please the entire world. Uh, you know, that old saying, you can't please uh, you can't please uh, you can't please anybody all the time. Everybody all the time, but you can please one person. And if you focus on making stuff for one person besides yourself, obviously, then other people who are like that person will like the stuff that you made for that person. So we focus a lot on making stuff for him, and all the time things will emerge that are songs that I didn't particularly like or 
or I thought, thought were in our best effort. And he'll go, man, you know, why don't you guys ever play this song? Why don't you guys ever do that? And he's, he's reciting lyrics to songs that are kind of, you know, throwaway songs as far as I'm concerned. And you start to have this greater appreciation for the listener's perspective. And, um, and you can get your ego out of it so much when you, when you think of it as a service position and think of it as creating stuff for the people that like you. What can folks expect at a show from motherfucking ruckus who have not got to see you guys live as of yet, Aaron? What are they going to get when they come to see you live? Well, they're going to get our best effort every night. We have, you know, we have a philosophy in the band that, you know, the one or 100 rule. It doesn't matter if you're playing for one or 100,000 people. If you're playing for one or 1 million people, you know, everybody gets the same show. You, you give people you give people a great service for their hard-earned money and the um, opportunity costs of donating their time to come see you play. So we take it very seriously. They can rest assured that we're always going to show up and do our best no matter how, you know, no matter what else is going on. But hopefully they can expect to, in fact, not hopefully, they can expect to have fun, be entertained. They can expect to get a chuckle out they can expect to see us fucking laugh and have fun and, and they can expect a lot of energy and intensity and enthusiasm and a genuine joy to play together. We fucking love playing together. It's, uh, it's the most fun thing in the world. It's my favorite thing to do. Play rock and roll with my best friends and travel the world. I mean, if, if, if things never go anywhere else for us, where we are now and where we have been is, man, it's, it's so much to be grateful for. And so they can expect that level of, of gratitude for what we do. And I hope that that, I hope that comes forward. We're living in the digital era of recording albums to get music out quicker. And plus now we got social media to reach out to more people. Do you like this that we're living in now to get albums out quicker and plus reach out to more fans on social media to, to let them hear of motherfucking ruckus. Well, it's a uh, it's a complicated question because on one hand, of course, I love it. I love being able to connect with people all over the world. I love the technology. I love that we can live stream our shows. I love that we can have a podcast and a YouTube channel, and that I love that the playing field is 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 leveled. You know, I love that we can affect our own our own outcome. And uh, if we really hustle, we can, we can create opportunity for ourselves. I love that. I love that about the world we live in. And, and the old paradigms no longer apply. And it's very exciting and it's very fun. The thing I don't like is, you know, web content has essentially become the junk food of our generation. And there's so much of it. And there's just this, this feeling of screaming into the black you know, screaming into the dark when you're trying to get stuff to people. And there's, there's those feelings of despair and hopelessness when you can look at a piece of data and it tells you how you compare to other bands. And you can go on, I can go on Spotify right now and compare my band to any other band that's on the platform. And it'll show me in no, in no uncertain terms where I stand in the hierarchy. And that can be, uh, that can be a real ego check and that can be a real eye opener. It can also be misleading 
because it turns the people who actually come to see you play and actually enjoy your stuff into a data point. And um, personally, I think it's one of the reasons that we've seen such a spike in reported cases of depression. Now that may just be because of the, the, it's more acceptable now to reach out for help and people are just more aware of it. But uh, you know, the suicide rate has gone up and I feel like a lot of that is people feeling the algorithm convincing people that they're irrelevant and worthless. And I don't like that aspect of it. I don't like the, um, mad, the, the harsh criticism and trolling on a massive level. Like someone can put something out and if it gets big enough and somebody can say something nasty about it that catches on, it can catch like wildfire and totally destroy someone's career yeah. because they're making fun of them becomes memefied, yeah. you know, and, uh, but then it can go the other way and you can see someone like, um, fuck someone like Billy Ray Cyrus, you know, you look at someone like Billy Ray Cyrus who got involved in that Nos X situation that I'm kind of just learning about. And you can see someone who had really no career since the, the late eighties, early nineties, all of a sudden be rebranded and reinvented as something completely different. And, and, kind of kind of have this this rebirth this i don't know it's crazy man you can you see it happen all the time and 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 that is pretty marvelous to watch i mean it's literally something that you can marvel at just watching the living organism that is the um the social media scape so yeah i mean it it cuts both ways but i would rather have it than not have it i try to make quality things for the two percent of our following who really love what we do and try not to worry so much about where we stand in the greater hierarchy. Because it's, it's like that old platitude goes, you know, you're only in competition with yourself. And <laughs> if, that's, if that's true, you know, I'm very proud of how we consistently show up and, and the new opportunities we create for ourselves and the new relationships we build with people and, and how we are able to keep our band alive and keep doing stuff, even though, you know, we're pushing 40 and I just had my first kid and our drummer has two kids and we're all married and we're all going into these new stages of our lives that, you know, some guys in the past might have gradually moved away from because it's just like, well, there's a time to put childish things away and stop being in your little rock band and go get a real job like that. That doesn't exist as much anymore. I'm excited to grow up in a time where I can raise my son to go, yeah, your mom paints and she's a photographer and she's, she's, you know, this brilliant, you know, Renaissance woman. And your dad is, is a musician and a voice actor and he has his own podcast and he, and he tours and plays in his little rock band. But, you know, it's, it's, you, you get to see this new world of, of people just, pursuing what they really love and it being more widespread. You know, you're not such an outlier if you pursue your dreams anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. You mentioned something too about social media. I've never seen so much of clickbait out there and I've never seen so much of the negativity being the clickbait of an, of an interview. I wish people would focus more on the positive of an interview than the negativity of the interview. And that's just going to come well, with that's the territory. The, that's the way those algorithms are set up to work. 
out like those things are tapping into our fucking lizard brain you know the the little tiny core of our of our brain the original the brain that started off the whole thing our little lizard brain that that only acts in in fear response so the, the the things that you're going to see the most of are anger and outrage and sadness and tragedy and fear and I, I'm really hoping that with the attention that's being called to this problem in the social media scape, you are seeing people like Jack Dorsey is uh, from Twitter has been kind of been held accountable and is, is doing some things to make some changes to the platform. And, and Mark Zuckerberg, you know, app hat that he is, is he's still, you know, he's under a lot of pressure and he's going to, make adjustments as consumers on his platform demand them. You know, he will have to adjust his platform to, uh, or he won't survive. Yeah. I I don't know. You're, you're seeing, you're seeing the conversation come up at least. Yeah. And I think that that's, I think that that's, uh, that gives cause for optimism, but you know, I mean, these, these platforms, this technology is so new in 20 years, We'll look back on this time and go, God, can you believe that what Facebook used to be? Can you believe what, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's like, we'll look at, we'll look at Facebook and Instagram and all these platforms the same way that we now look at Netscape. <laughs> yeah, or MySpace. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Netscape and MySpace, you know, Jeez. and then it'll be something else. It'll be something else. That's the thing. It's, it's inevitable that we will grow. I'm a little concerned about the idea of, have you ever heard uh, the, the urn metaphor? No. The idea that there's an urn filled with little balls that represent all of the possible inventions that mankind can create. And there are a bunch of white balls, which are good inventions. There are a bunch of gray balls, which are, you know, inventions which are helpful and harmful. And then there are black balls that are inventions that could destroy us. Right. Yeah. And, and the metaphor is that basically if you have this ball with so many million of millions of ideas in it, you know, in terms of probability, it's very probable that we just haven't pulled a black ball yet. It's very scary, man. It's very possible. And we could pull a black ball and pull out something that, you know, make nanobots that, that eat us alive or something like that. You know, we could do it. We could do it. We haven't done it yet, but we could do it. But I'm, I'm pretty optimistic that human beings will, that our awareness of our own shortcomings and our awareness of our own possible self-annihilation is evidence that we can do something. It's evidence of self-awareness, self-consciousness, that we would be able to intervene if we were to do, even start to go down a path where we might destroy ourselves. What made you want to become a musician? What was that spark for you that said, yeah, that's what I want to do right there? I always wanted to be an entertainer. I always wanted to, you know, I mean, when you're a little kid, you want to be a magician or I wanted to be a stand-up comedian for a while. I was really into Robin Williams and Gallagher and, and I'm sad to say, but Bill Cosby. I was really into Bill Cosby (laughs) when I was a little kid, but I think a lot of people were. Yeah. You know, I think that's that's what's so hard about the Bill Cosby thing is to go. How crazy you know, is oh, that? Fuck, we loved him. You know, yeah, it was awful. But um, but yeah, and uh, and I always 
you know, I always loved music and I always loved, I always loved acting and performing and, and being the center of attention and soliciting the validation of strangers through shrieking and pageantry. And, and I just would kind of go from one thing to another of, you know, playing in the school band and being in the citywide choir and going to theater and going to school, going to a special art school for, for theater and music and, and then getting into punk rock and metal and, and alternative music and, and wanting to find my place there and really having the experience of going on tour. And so it's just like kind of one thing presents itself and you kind of go, Oh, let's take a look at what's over here. Let's take a look at what's over here. I, I don't know if I ever thought when I was a little, little kid that I was going to spend 20 plus years of my life playing in the same rock and roll band, but I'm glad I have. I've been fortunate to have a group of friends that I really love and care about. And people have been coming in and out of my life who seem to be drawn to the same stuff that I am. It's just something that has never stopped. It's always been something where it's like, as soon as it seems like it's going to stop, it goes a different way. Is there a country that stands out or even shocks you that motherfucking ruckus gets support from, or your music even gets played in that country possibly that you, that you know of? You know, every once in a while we'll see, um, I mean, nothing really surprises me anymore because we live in the world of the internet. I was, I was very happy to experience Germany, uh, and Belgium and the Netherlands, like what Western Europe was very cool for us. You know, just how enthusiastic people are, how much less concerned they are with being cool. You know, here in the U.S., there's a lot of clubs where people are standing in the back of the room with their arms folded, trying, and they're they're not there to see the bands; they're just there to be seen, seeing the bands. And in Western Europe, people are unabashed fans of of rock music, and I love that. But I will get, you know, every once in a while, we'll see something come in from like, "Ooh, there's been people listening in China today," or "There's been people listening in South America today," or there's been people listening in the Middle East today, you know, that's, or Africa, you know, when that happens, that's like, wow, man, like, that's crazy that, that, that just anybody can find you. If they get plugged into you from someone else, anyone can find you. It's great. What actually inspired the comic book idea of the front lines of good times? Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Cause that's, that's, uh, you've got two, two chapters that's out right now. Let's talk about that a little bit. Well, I've always been, I've always been a fan of, of, Alt comics, indie comics, horror, action, sci-fi. I've always been a f- film of, of movies and, and adult animation. And I've always been a fan of the idea of albums that, that are really engrossing that you can really dive into. I love the idea of a band that, that just has a whole universe and a whole mythology that you can get into. And I had been gradually toying around with these different ideas and, and things that I've been interested in. And pretty much, you know, when I, when I write a song, I usually write it from the perspective of a character. I kind of create little connections in the universe. Uh, and, and so I was already doing that to a degree, but I also had this other side that was very much trying to find a way to adapt to the new, the new model, which I started thinking, you can put out an album 
and you can put a big marketing push behind it and you get one big wave if you're lucky mm. from that album. But if you can make your band about more than just your albums and expand upon it into all these other pieces of, of, of content that people can get into, you know, and you can break the songs down more into singles and make them the soundtrack for these other pieces of content, then in theory, it would give each individual song more of a life. You know, you put out, you put out an album, a couple songs emerge, and then that's really it. And your back catalog doesn't really do much or deeper cut doesn't do much. But if you put out an album and then you use each one of your songs as the soundtrack for a different piece of content, then people have a different relationship with it. People are discovering your music more as part and parcel to this story that they're following. It, it, it becomes about more than just the songs because we take music for granted. You know, there's so many bands making so many songs and I wanted to do something that at least somewhat set us apart from just a band that does the write an album, record an album, release the album, tour on the album, repeat, you know, not only that, like I said, you know, we've got a guy who lives in, or is moving back to Chicago. Our drummer has two kids. I have, I have a kid. We're all married. It's not, it's not feasible for us to tour six months out of the year. We can tour a couple weeks out of the year. You know, we can do 25 shows a year and we want to nurture the interest that people who are following us have in the band. We want to nurture our own interest in it and keep putting stuff out. So we do the comic. So we do the podcast. So we do our, our web series. And uh, the, the, the comic was just intended to be, it was, it was a matter of trying to utilize all the resources we had at our disposal. And I like stories. I like telling stories. I had this idea for a story. I'm like, I could create something that would be a story that people could follow, you know? And it's not like all I'm doing is making comics. No one's going to expect too much from me, although I am proud of what I've created. You know, I'm, I'm proud of the book we've created, but it's, it's, I, I'm not expected to come right out the gate and be this amazing comic book storyteller. I can come out and I've got a little more room to take chances and develop because I'm doing other things. And if people don't like one thing, there'll be something else that they might like. Folks, you want to get out and check out motherfucking ruckus. Check out their comic book, The Front Lines of Good Times. Plus, get out and pick up their albums and the new album that's going to come out later this year. The Front Lines of Good Times, Volume 1. And I cannot wait to, to get all this. Check this all out. Aaron. Cool, man. If you don't mind, uh, how could folks stay in touch with you guys, buy all this stuff that you guys have out there, tour dates, tickets, things like that? How can you do that, my friend? Best place to find us is our website, which is mfruckus.com. We're on Instagram, at mfruckus. We're on Facebook, mfruckusband on Facebook. We're also on Twitter, mfruckustheband. We have our weekly podcast the motherfucking podcast you can find it find it under the mf podcast wherever you listen to podcasts except stitcher i don't think we're on stitcher yet we're on youtube at mf ruckus tv and oh and uh man for the people who really want to help us make cool shit we're on patreon and 
we have a good time with our Patreon subscribers. We pretty much give them the band feed. Like everything that I get, I send it to the band and then I send it to the patrons. So anytime we get new sketches or we're working on a new demo or we're taking some pictures in the studio or we've got a new article that's come out or some new press photos or or even just telling tour stories and things like that that we don't put on our main channels, we give to our Patreon subscribers. And uh, man, we, we have a lot of fun with the Patreon thing because it's, it's all about like, all right, you're sustaining us, so we're going to figure out everything that we have to do to keep you guys happy. <laughs> and then we also take 10% of our earnings from Patreon and um, we pledge it to other creators. Right now, our band backs, I think, about 15 creators on Patreon through 10% of our earnings on Patreon because we believe in the platform that much. So you can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash mfruckus. Before I let you go, good sir, would you care to do a promo for my show? Sure. All right. This is Aaron Howell from the international rock combo motherfucking ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively. And you are listening to Bod's Mayhem Hour. Get it. Everybody stick around. We've got some great, great stuff coming up. And you only hear these interviews right here on Bod's Mayhem Hour and Bod's Mayhem Radio Network. Please get out and check out our Facebook page. It has our YouTube link plus our podcast link. Hopefully soon a Twitch link. And also get out and check out motherfucking ruckus. You will dig their stuff. So, Aaron, thank you so much, man, and the best of luck to you guys. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.